0: Hi, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the February 8th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we'll be looking at Numbers 249 to 256 of the Catechism. 3. The Holy Trinity in the Teaching of the Faith, The Formation of the Trinitarian Dogma. Paragraph 249. From the beginning, the revealed truth of the Holy Trinity has been at the very root of the church's living faith, principally by means of baptism. It finds its expression in the rule of baptismal faith formulated in the preaching, catechesis and prayer of the church. Such formulations are already found in the apostolic writings, such as this salutation taken up in the Eucharistic liturgy, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 2.50 During the first centuries of the Church, the Church sought to clarify her Trinitarian faith, both to deepen her own understanding of the faith and to defend it against the errors that were deforming it. This clarification was the work of the early councils, aided by the theological work of the Church Fathers, And sustained by the Christian people's sense of the faith. 251. In order to articulate the dogma of the Trinity, the Church had to develop its own terminology with the help of certain notions of philosophical origin, substance, person, or hypostasis, relation, and so on. In doing this, she did not submit the faith to human wisdom, but gave a new and unprecedented meaning to these terms, which, from then on, would be used to signify an ineffable mystery, infinitely beyond all that we can humanly understand. Paragraph 252 The Church uses, one, the term substance, rendered also at times by essence or nature, to designate the divine being in its unity 2 the term person or hypostasis to designate the father son and holy spirit in the real distinction among them and 3 the term relation to designate the fact that their distinction lies in the relationship of each to the others the dogma of the holy trinity paragraph 253 the trinity is one we do not confess three gods but one god in three persons the consubstantial trinity the divine persons do not share the one divinity among themselves but each of them is god whole and and entire the father is that which is the son sorry the father is that which the son is the son that which the father is The Father and the Son, that which the Holy Spirit is, that is, by nature, one God. In the words of the Fourth Lateran Council in 12.15, each of the persons is that supreme reality, that is, the divine substance, essence, or nature. Paragraph 254 The divine persons are really distinct from one another. God is one, but not solitary. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are not simply names, designating modalities of the divine being, for they are really distinct from one another. He is not the Father who is the Son, nor is the Son he who is the Father, nor is the Holy Spirit he who is the Father or the Son. They are distinct from one another in the relation of origins. It is the Father who generates, the Son who is begotten, and the Holy Spirit who proceeds. The divine unity is triune. 255 The divine persons are relative to one another, because it does not divide the divine unity. The real distinction of the persons from one another resides solely in the relationship which relates them to one another. In the relational relational names of the persons, the Father is related to the Son, the Son to the Father, and the Holy Spirit to both. While they are called three persons, in view of their relations, we believe them in one nature or substance. Indeed, everything in them is one, where there is no opposition of relationship. Because of the unity, the Father is holy in the Son, and holy in the Holy Spirit. The Son is holy in the Father, and holy in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is holy in the Father, and holy in the Son. Paragraph 256. St. Gregory of Nazianzus, also called Gregory the Theologian, entrusts this summary of the Trinitarian faith to the Catechumens of Constantinople. Above all, guard for me this great deposit of faith for which I live and fight, which I want to take with me as a companion, and which makes me bear all evils and despise all pleasures. I mean the profession of faith in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I entrust it to you today. By it I am going to plunge you into the water and raise you up from it. I give it to you, As the companion and patron of your whole life, I give you but one divinity and power, existing one in three, containing the three in a distinct way, divinity without disparity of substance or nature, without superior degree that raises up or inferior degree that casts down, the infinite co-naturality of the three infinites. Each person considered in himself is entirely God, The three considered together, I have not even begun to think of unity when the Trinity bathes me in its splendor. I have not even begun to think of the Trinity when unity grasps me. Very well. So we have this section today that is another very theological, very heavy section of the Catechism. And these uh, parts dealing with the Trinity are obviously... Some of the most difficult passages in the Catechism. Most of the rest of the Catechism much easier to grasp. But here you have a clear outline of the Church's Trinitarian faith, which is a complicated... Um, it, it took the Church centuries uh, to come to this knowledge uh, that the early councils had a lot of confusion. Many people were confused. Many people still to this day are confused in it. And that is why basically we have the Creed. That's why we have the creed that gives us uh, a true summary, even if we don't fully understand it. The the creed gives us a a very good summary of the church's belief. There is always this problem of um, some people complain about the use of philosophy in Christianity. This famous uh, uh, phrase, what does Athens have to do with Jerusalem? That we have the Bible, they say. And why do we need the councils? Why do we need these terms like person, substance, these difficult terms? And yet they're very important because this way the church was able to use human reason. It's not that we submitted the gospel to the culture of the time of the Greeks, but the church was able to take what was good in the Greek culture, which was especially a lot of the philosophical way of thinking, a logical way of thinking, and to use this to express The biblical faith that the church grew during the councils in her understanding of the deposit of the faith and in particular in the understanding of what is the trinity that the trinity is the central aspect of the christian faith it is the central thing this last passage that we heard of saint gregory talking about how beautiful the trinity is and i suppose this is the most important thing for us the fact that God calls us into a relation with himself, that Jesus Christ came to reveal the Father and send the Holy Spirit and show us the face of God and show us the mercy of God. This is what is important, that God enters into a relationship with us, that he pulls us into this relationship of the Trinity, into this divine life of the Trinity, and that this theosis, as as the Orthodox say, this becoming like God, Becoming nearly as God himself is eternal life, is what heaven will be, to be like God, to enter into a small way into this relationship of God because God is in relationship. It's not that the three persons of the Trinity, each one of them is a third of God. It's not that there are three gods. It's not that, uh, I don't know, that they can have a different relationship from, which, from each other. Also, it's not that there was ever a time when there wasn't a Son or a Holy Spirit. It's not that God the Father was the first one and then you got the Son and then you got the Holy Spirit because these relationships are eternal. There was never a time when the Son was not. There was never a time when the Holy Spirit was not. And then we have these um, uh, these important uh, distinctions that we, they give us, that this idea of substance, which is the oneness of God, and each of the persons is truly God. The Father is truly God. The Son is truly God. The Holy Spirit is truly God. And then we have the concept uh, of person, or Greek hypostasis, which is the fact that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit really are distinct in God. It's not that there are three ways of looking at God, but there's a real distinction there. It's not that God sometimes appears as Father, sometimes appears as Son, sometimes appears in the mode of the Holy Spirit. It's not that, you know, depending on his humour or depending on what he's doing, he puts on a different disguise for us. No, but that these distinctions, these persons are real and distinct. And then the other thing is this relation, this concept of relationship, of relation, that... Because the distinction between the three persons, between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, their distinction is only in the relation to each other. It's not that one is better than the other, that one... No, it's only in the relationship to each other that this uh, distinction exists. So it's a true distinction, but it's only visible in this relation to each other. And as I said, the Church spent centuries coming to this knowledge, maybe... There will be further clarification in the future. Definitely the, every catechism, every uh, catechesis, every new uh, document on the, that the Church releases on the Trinity will um, try to express this in a fresher way, try to express this in a newer way. And um, please God, theologians in the future will hopefully make it even clearer, will help us to understand it better, but that this is the centre of the faith of the Church. And again, I would say, rather than trying to fit everything into our little brains, because we will never fully understand the Trinity, it's much better to contemplate the Trinity in wonder, as St. Gregory is doing with his catechumens, in wonder, so that we can enter into this relationship, so that we can see the dignity to which God calls us by our baptism, to partake of this divine life, to truly experience the Trinitarian life in the Eucharist as the icon, as the image, as the foretaste of heaven. So tomorrow we'll continue with the numbers 257 to 260 of the Catechism. God bless.